And I'd like to talk this morning about marriage, communication, and all of those fun things. And we decided this week that we will start having part of our Ukrainian, part of our program here. A part of like with our conferences. Um, we would have um, in January, probably around the third week of January. We would like to have a, a family seminar. Where where we would talk about marriage. We would talk about ch ch raising children uh, and even have a part of the conference for single people. So we're thinking about where to have that and, and I'd like my brother to do that conference because he has a son. I don't have any kids. So he's the professional on this subject. <laughs> so, how many have seen my my nephew's picture, Carson, on Facebook? Uh, Leah has been uploading so many pictures of Carson that uh, Facebook crashed. Facebook <laughs> So, okay. It sounds like we have a dramatic situation happening out there in the hallway. Okay, James chapter 3. Verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. Right? <laughs> Who can agree with that? Yes, I can. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Perfect means healthy or complete. Able also to bridle the whole body. Communication can be defined this way. It is something that is expressed from the communion that's in the heart. Whatever we are thinking about in our heart will be communicated. It will be. It will be, a, it will be communicated. God's communication with us is in the sphere of mercy. Exodus 25, verse 22. Everything that God says to us is within the realm of His love and His grace. And his communication towards us is always based on his goodness. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Because God could not love us. He could not love us. 
until justice was satisfied. And when now that justice is satisfied, he is free to love us. And so there's five things I want to say this morning. It should take me about three hours. Okay? Is that oh, no, I'm only kidding. 45 minutes, okay? Max, maximum. Creative communication in contrast to constructive criticism. And today in the world that we live in, people think it's good to have a, a critic or to constructively criticize. But when we learn communication, how to communicate, with one another in our marriages in our families with our children then we learn how to create capacity in people how many times have we said something or initiated an idea and we hit a wall with a big no no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. No, I can't do that. No. We need to uh, learn what is this creative communication that creates a capacity in a person's life. <coughs> Ephesians 4, verse 29, I want to read this to you. It says, let there, let there be no corrupt communication that proceeds from your mouth, but that it might minister grace to the hearers. Except for the, let's read that so I get it right. Let no communication proceed from your mouth except for the use of edifying that it might minister grace to the hearers. Correct? I got it. There we go. Ephesians 4, verse 29. So we have two kinds of communication today. And every time we say a word or a sentence, it will either create capacity, edification, encouragement, benefit to the hearer, or it will corrupt, it will damage. Whenever we speak to our husband or our wife, or someone in our family, our kids, this is either going to damage the person, or, and not only ruin, but like, like damage, like hurt. Or, build capacity. And um, what constitutes communication? What, what is communication made up of? A study was done. And communication, what we communicate is made up of three things. 7% of our communication, everyone that loves numbers and percents and statistics is going to like this. They're going to like this. 
Seven percent of our communication only is words. Right, seven percent, only seven percent. I think that when something, when we do something bad or we or we say something bad, men usually do this the most, I think. We try to use a lot of words to fix the situation. And our wife is maybe like not going for that. And, is not, and we're not able to fix that with words. Because only 7% of our communication is with words. 38% of our communication is a result of our behavior, for our verbal behavior. For example, the tone of our voice. 38%. Much more than 7%. The tone of our voice. The volume of our voice. The, the tempo. Did you ever say to your wife, I love you? Our, our wives have these antennas. No, 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 no. They have antennas. And they read things. They read, they read, they read every part of the communication. Men are just thinking about, okay, he said, you know, I told my wife I love her like three years ago. Why does she ask? Why does she keep asking? <laughs> Honey, you know that I love you. Peter had the same thing when Jesus said, "Do you love me?" Peter got annoyed. He said, "I told you I love you. Don't you remember?" But women, not only women, but also men, we can read the tone and the temperature. Temperature of the words. We can say, "I love you," or we can say. I can't even say it because my wife's not here. <laughs> She's in Poland working right now. And, and, uh, and then that's 38% of our communication is the verbal behavior. And then 55% of our communication. 55 is non-verbal communication. Vibration. Body posture. Breathing. <laughs> Skin color. <laughs> and the way you move. 55%. That's good for the Italians because they really move a lot when they're talking. 55%. What does that all mean? What does that all mean? It means that whatever's in our heart it's going to be communicated. And so we can't fix our marital problems or relationship problems with words alone. No matter how many gestures and how many things that we do, 
The issue is in our heart. That before I try to talk to somebody, try to reconcile, try to speak to my wife or my husband, I have to make sure that my heart is right with God about my spouse, about my child. Children can, children can pick up if their parents love them or not. And teenagers have this ability to teenagers look at adults and they can they can see right through them and they can see if that person really loves them but somehow we were teenagers too right but what happened we learned how to have masks how to use words, how to do other things to, to hide really what our heart is thinking. And so the issue is at the heart, at the level of the heart. We had a message during the seminar about the root of all problems begins with the way we think. We need to Need to, we need to practice in our heart in meditation about God's thoughts about people. Really, we need to do that. Sit down and think about, how, how, about people. I think if we can sit down and identify with people and think about where they're at, we can have compassion. And compassion always makes a difference. I remember, uh, I remember here when I was living here a thousand years ago. They didn't have any cars. And <laughs> there was no internet here. We only there's only uh, telex. What do you call it? Telex, right? Not fa- there wasn't even fax machines. There was only telex things. Those you go to the post office and yeah, telegram. Yeah. I remember being here, and I had had come here. You know, my parents didn't even know where I was and how I was going. Uh, and I went to the post office up here. And I went in there and I dictated a message in English. To, to this lady at the, the post office. She didn't speak English, of course. And I had to be like, you know, hello, mom. And the whole message was like, I am in Lviv, Ukraine, everything is okay. I'm hungry, I have no money, send me money. So the message they got like three weeks later was this very strange telegram, you know, it was like, it was like, it was like coded, you know, like, hello. You know, like, like the different things were, you know. And so I got, you know, my parents got very worried, like, you know. Was I, was I, was I captured? Is this a secret message that we have to code 
you know, so if we don't learn communication, the, the, just the opposite thing could happen that we're trying to communicate. Here's some common communication problems in marriage. Uh, a, a pastor sat down with a, 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 a husband and wife that and, and, uh, they was trying to, they were having communication problems. And here's some of the things that he had heard. <laughs> My husband, this, okay, you can tell who's saying this, okay? My husband doesn't talk. He just grunts. No, no, not dehai, no, but grunts. <laughs> Any husbands here that can make that noise for us? <laughs> he just grunts, he doesn't talk. Honey, do you want some soup? The wife, uh, the husband says this. It turns into an argument every time we talk. Husband says this. My wife never stops talking. I, I don't have a chance to say anything. I don't get to grunt as much. I don't get to I don't get to grunt. She's talking so much. And then he's and then um, we only talk about superficial things. No. Superficial. I really desire meaningful conversation. Here's another one. Our house is like a morgue. <laughs> the silence is awful. Nobody talks. Children don't talk. Husband doesn't talk to the wife. Wife doesn't talk to the husband. I heard a story here that <laughs> It's funny, but it's not funny. Uh, a husband and wife had a, had a son. He was about 14. And they got divorced. But they didn't have any money to move out. So the husband lived in one room. The wife lived in the other room. And the son lived in the third room. And they would take turns, the husband and wife would take turns being in the kitchen. So they wouldn't run into each other. It was horrible. Here's another. Here's a. Here's another. Uh, wife says, "My husband's always. My husband says I don't care when I ask his opinion." I don't care. I whatever. You know. He says, "I never get her full attention." She's always doing things while we talk. And then, last one, we only talk about problems when we do talk. Who needs that? Isn't life supposed to be fun? 
men and women have been miscommunicating for millennium, for many, many years, thousands of years. And many times our, our relationships break down because we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen. I think if we could teach a course in our Bible college, it would be great. Called how to hear. It'd be quite, it'd be a very quiet course, I think. But. But if we could learn how to listen to people, listen to the heart cry of a person, if we can become expert professional listeners, then we can touch the core of a person, the core of that person the center of that person. Many times men are very task-oriented. Men, men. Very, very to oriented to projects and to-do lists. And very short on conversation. Men like to deal with problems by themselves. Right? How many men can identify with that? One. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Women are often relationship-oriented and want to talk, especially for the purpose of dealing with problems. Honey, we need to talk about the finances. The wife says. The wife says. Husband says, it's all set. I got it. Everything's paid. Here's the, done. Well, let's talk about the fine. Let's just sit down and write it all out. Long list. Like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. So much talking. Men, men need to learn how to uh, communicate with their wives. Some communication problems develop from personality differences. Conflicts, personality conflicts. How many people are can identify with some of the things that we're talking about here? It is said that opposites attract. That people that are of opposite natures attract to each other. Many couples have the classic combination of strong and silent. The strong party of the marriage and the quiet follower part of the marriage. And it can, these, these types of people can be attracted to each other. But later on down the road, it can actually be the cause of many problems and differences and then eventually separation. Learning to love the differences that the learning to love the differences that we have uh, the different characteristics that we have with our spouse. 
You know, the, the classic toothpaste example. I don't know if this works here in Ukraine, but in the States. No, Albina's shaking her head. You know, men like to start the toothpaste from the bottom. Right? Women? Right here. You know, my wife goes to the bathroom first in the morning. Come in there and the tube is like, you know, all the toothpaste is at the bottom of the tube. How many can identify with that? Nobody. Oh my gosh. We're going to change our message, I think. Then I spend like 20 minutes doing this, you know, get my toothpaste to the top, you know. You know, I've learned, that's, you know, I am personally very, I like to be on time, I like to time, time is really like important. My first date with my wife, uh, yeah. Pobacine. Or no, not pobacine, date. Like our first date. We went for pizza. And she was late. And I was like aggravated. I was like, you know. And this is, you know, I bought, and she, she's not a time conscious person. She's not thinking about time. I'm thinking about, ever, I'm thinking about how long it's going to take for me to walk here, how long it's going to take me to. Finish, what time do we finish? And I'm very time conscious. And one Christmas I bought her a watch. But the watch had no numbers on it. Just, you know, hands, you know, like, could be one o'clock or two o'clock, you, know? you know, and so, I, I've learned to love that about my wife, it's cute, it's, I like that. A third major cause of communication goes beyond, goes beyond, um, beyond those things, and it could be because of background. This is important, too. That when two people get married or enter into a relationship, they bring their history with them. Everything they learned from mom and dad and the rest of the family, as well as other life experiences, they bring that into the relationship. And you know, when we get married, a lot of times we don't see everything there. And maybe a few years down the road we discover something. Such experiences that people have that bring into their relationship can create patterns of behavior and they can create certain kinds of expectations and because of this we need to learn how to hear and listen I think that compassion in every relationship always builds a bridge. Remember that. That's the key, I think. Uh, I, I think that's the key. That in every relationship problem that we have with other people can be solved or actually the road of 
the road to resolution can be started through compassion. When we stop thinking about ourselves, and we put ourselves in the place of our mate. Like, you know, sometimes we can suffer from concepts of the role that people play in marriage. For example, concept can be, you know, one concept can be, and this is funny, but it's, it can be a concept. Jinka Maya Bhutav Doma, he borscht varita. That's one concept, right? Uh, the second concept can be, my husband's supposed to be out there working like a dog all day. All day. Make money. Bring it home. So I can make vareniki. Yeah, these are concepts. But it's like we can't be locked into those concepts. It's good for us to look at our wife and just put ourselves in her place. Like, this woman bore children. That's not easy. I've never born a child. I don't think I want to. That's like unbelievable. Compassion. She, she, she serves, she works, she loves, she pours out her heart into the kids. And it's good to sit down and think about that. Like, my wife is just... And, and it's good for wives to think about their husbands that way too. That my husband sometimes can get angry or can get aggravated because he wants the best for me. And he is working so hard. And he loves me and he loves the family. And I can't be I can't I can't be so demanding. I need to understand that he loves me and that he's doing the best. I want to finish with this. Is that many of us have heard the book by Gary Chapman, The Languages of Love, correct? Love Languages. How many have heard about that book? I think I... I don't know how many he writes about, but I counted, I think, six languages of love that people have. And, and, when, and I'm going to finish with this. is very important that we learn, that we, you know, that, and that we hear this part, and then I'm going to finish that. That if I don't know the language of somebody's love, how do I communicate to that person? If I go to China and I want to buy food and I'm hungry and I'm dying of hunger and I don't know how to say in Chinese where can I buy food or where can I buy then there's a huge problem there. I have a huge need, but I can't. But he doesn't understand what's going on. And that can happen with people. That two people enter into a relationship, and they have big needs. They do, and they don't know how to communicate that. And the other person doesn't know how to hear. 
There is um, six languages, and I think it's very important to know what is your wife, what is your husband's language that he speaks. As a pastor, I'm learning how to understand what language people speak. And when I understand what their language is, then I, there's effective communication, and they feel loved. Here's an example. I spoke with somebody this week, and they told me about a situation. They said, uh, they said you know, I called this person, and I said, you know, we, I really miss you in church. You know, we love you, and you know, you're our friend. And this person reacted. They said, how can you be my friend? You haven't called me for two months, three months. You're not my friend. And you're like, well, maybe you love that person. But that person just did not interpret that. Because their language of love is words. That's the first language of love that we can mention here. Is that for some people, words are very important. Very important. I think women words are very important to them. Very important. Ephesians 4, verse 29. That it's good that we talk. And men need to talk. They're not good with words. We are not good with words. We, are, we, we need to talk. And God gives us a wife so that we can learn how to use our words. That's the first language. Is that for some people, it's extremely important that you have words with them and that these words are edifying words. For example, if somebody's words, if somebody's language of love is words, and I say something insensitive, I hurt that person. I can hurt that person. We can't please everybody. But we want to have the Spirit of Christ and learn people's languages. Number two, for some people, words are, words are like whatever, you know. John 15, verse 13. Sacrifice is what's important for them. Sacrifice. Wow, that person sacrificed his whole vacation to help to help the, the outreach or something. That really sacrifice can speak to people. And if we have the heart of Christ, we can sacrifice even if, even if it's not my language, <coughs> I can learn how to sacrifice with the Spirit of Christ. And that's going to speak very, very powerfully to people. The third one is Romans chapter 16. We see that this whole list of people that Paul recognizes by name. Recognition. You know, somebody could serve in the church for a year 
and not even be, not even really have many conversations with you, or, or maybe somebody in your in your family can just serve and serve and serve. But if you if you can take a moment and recognize them and acknowledge their value. They're good for another year. Recognition. Saying somebody's name. You know, use people's names. Learn names. Jesus used people's names. Jesus rose from the dead. And he did two things when he met Mary. What did he do? He said, Mary. That was very important for her to hear her name. Jesus knew that. Next one. Giving. Proverbs 22, verse 19. 22:19. Some people don't care about words or anything else, but if you give them a gift, oh my gosh, they're just, they'll treasure that gift. And they'll keep it. And they'll look at it. And they'll put it in their Bible or they'll put it in a special place. I remember we, when I was living here, before we would have to go to the Ovir like every month I'd have to go there and register and I was there with all these other nationalities from all over the world, China, Africa all of us were stuffed in this room they were only open for two or three hours a day and we had to wait in this long line and sometimes we wouldn't even get into the office and I remember getting into that office and, like, and there was so much tension and stress and, and there was this woman there you know and she didn't even you know she was maybe middle aged and she wasn't uh, she didn't even look at you and, and I was just like I was like I need my registration. I've been waiting here for so long. And it's like, you've got all my papers, and it's like, I've been here 75 times, and I, I have all my paperwork, and, you know, stamps, and, you know, you know everything is right. She goes, yeah, why not? We're not just. We're not going to register you. Uh, it's lunch. Come back tomorrow. It's like lunch is in two minutes. Please. What's wrong with you? And then we've all been there. We just start kicking against the system, don't we? And then the and the and the system gets harder and harder. And I remember walking down those stairs just so angry, thinking like I'm so angry. Am I even born again? Like well, I'm a missionary here. I want to kill this person. And I remember one day thinking, putting myself in her place. And I noticed that she had always a coffee cup there. And and next time I went there, I said, ma'am, I said, you have a hard job, don't you? People yell at you all day. You're probably tired and you you don't deserve all of this because... You didn't invent this system. And, and a little identification and compassion. And I brought her some. I brought her some coffee, like a little package of coffee. Gave it to her. It wasn't a bribe. Just a gift. <laughs> 
You're all thinking he bribed her. <laughs> and she was it changed everything. Oh, of course, here. How many, how many registrations do you want? You're registrating for 17 years. You know, just a gift makes a difference, doesn't it? And I'm gonna finish soon because I'm talking about another another gift is personal contact, touch. Matthew 20, verse 34. 20, verse 34. For men, this is really important. For men, this could be important. Men, men, you know, some people need a hug. Just a pat on the back. Hold their, hold, holding their hands. Uh, kids need hugs, lots of hugs. Wives, wives. My wife, my wife has needs like my wife. Me, you know, our wives need many hugs and many words. And this is important. Jesus understood this. In Matthew 20 verse 34. When he touched the person, he healed And then, lastly. Is this number six? No. Number six, right? Zera Okay. Service. Galatians 5, verse 13. Service. Serving. Just serving. When we serve one another, that could really that could really touch people just serving them bring a, bring a cup of cold water in Jesus name serving people just ministering to them serving them what can I do for you how can I help you how can I serve you today serving and there's power in that so, I, so we'll just finish with this is that in our relationships Compassion makes a difference. Understanding a person's history. And putting themselves, putting ourselves in their place. You know, I'm thinking about a situation that I recently was involved with. And I could not figure out what the marital problem was with this couple. And they would fight and they couldn't, they would argue and, and I just couldn't understand it. And, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily about what they were doing with each other. But I discovered something about the history of the wife that nobody else knew about something that nobody else knew about that this this wife's father was an alcoholic and he would beat her and she had such a she had such a, a block towards her husband because her husband became was in her eyes became like her father and the harder the harder that uh, she the harder that she pressed him in an argument the more he reacted because he didn't understand his wife where his, she was coming from. 
And that husband, in her eyes, was becoming like her father. You understand what I'm saying? The psychology is there. And her husband was starting to become, in her eyes, the abusive father that was. But when he understood her background, it changed the entire conversation. And the, and the, and the marriage rebounded. Our marriages are going to be tested. Uh, your husband or your wife maybe both of you eventually are going to fail in some way financially morally or in some other way disappoint maybe your mate will disappoint you in that's why there, we our relationships have to be bathed in the grace of God unconditional love and that's the beautiful thing about marriage isn't it that husband and wife made a commitment before God to each other. That until the end, until death, we are inseparable. And we're going to learn how to love each other and help each other. Because only in that union of commitment and unconditional love can there be the the blooming and the blossoming of trust and security. And that's why, that's why when, that's why, like in the United States right now, uh, young people are not getting married. They just live together. Because they, they, they don't have the money. They, they don't have the money. They look at their parents who got divorced and how much pain that that caused in their lives as children. And they say, we don't want that. But you know something? I just think that God is for us. He's for your marriage. He's for you as a husband. He's for you as a wife. God wants to bless our marriages and our families. After 20 years of marriage, 30 years of marriage, learn how to have compassion on your mate and learn your mate's language and love them as Christ loved the church. Amen.